What's up, Vikings fans? We hope you guys are continuing to stay safe wherever you're listening. Welcome to this special edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Gabe Henderson, and alongside me today is Vikings team reporter Eric Smith. How's it going, Eric? I'm doing well, Gabe. It's always good to catch up with you. Uh, you know, but I think it's especially important that we chat today. You know, as you mentioned, this is a special edition of the podcast. Uh, you know, hopefully it's a, it's an educational experience for all of us. For sure. As we all wish we could be cheering and talking football right now, we cannot move on to such a thing without discussing the current events going on in this country. Later in the show, we'll be joined by co-defensive coordinator Andre Patterson, running back Amir Abdullah, and wide receiver Adam Thielen. But before we get to them, Eric and I, we just want to open up a dialogue between us. Uh, Eric, there's been a, a major, major issue that has been recurring for over 400 years and is now the primary topic of discussion all over the world, but more importantly, here in America. That issue is racism. Obviously, recent calls to end systemic racism have stemmed from the death of George Floyd, which happened this past Memorial Day, May 25th, around 8.15 p.m. Cell phone footage captured in which we all witnessed another senseless killing of an unarmed black man due to the hands. Well, in this case, the knee of law enforcement. The victim, like I said before, his name was George Floyd. And similar to myself, he was born in North Carolina, about 45 minutes from where I grew up. He'd been a Minnesota resident since 2014 before we all watched his life get taken away from him here in the city of Minneapolis. The nature in which he perished uh, sparked ostentatious cries all over the world, including all 50 U.S. states. For over two weeks following this egregious incident, the world already engulfed in anxiety and fear due to the ongoing pandemic. They erupted in with ongoing protests to, to vocalize for their frustrations for social justice in, in the African-American community. During these past few days, uh, there have been a lot of ton of public outcry uh, from from companies there, you know, and businesses to denounce racism, including here within the Vikings organization, the public unrest, which has sparked much needed tough conversations like the one we're going to have today between respective counterparts about how we can find solutions in America that has been occurring right here in America since 1619, over 400 years. Eric, as tough as it has been to stay off of social media, there was a quote that I read earlier today. It says, this is not just a moment. This is a movement. It's, we're, we're coming up on 58 years since the MLK I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C. And, and now, in my opinion, where I believe these conversations are, are long overdue, I'm just happy that we're, we're starting to see some type of progress. We're having these conversations. And my question for you, um, since I, I know a lot of people know I haven't moved to the Minneapolis area yet. Um, all I can all I've been seeing and all, I, all I've known is from what I've seen on TV and what I've heard. But. Being in Minneapolis, what has it been for you as as a white male being in Minneapolis and, and witnessing and just filling the, the city during, you know, during this tough time? Yeah, it's been tough. You know, it's been emotional. I feel like um, the feelings haven't left me in the last, you know, two plus weeks about what happened to George Floyd. You know, I, I don't know how you can't be affected by George Floyd's death, you know, and, and not be moved to do something. You know, that, that area in Minneapolis at, at 38th in Chicago that's part of South Minneapolis that I kind of go around sometimes. I think one thing to note is, you know, I've been around that area, but I've never felt in danger. And, and that's because I'm white, you know, and that's just, just the plain, simple truth. You know, I'm white and I don't feel threatened when I get pulled over by the police or go for a jog or walk my dog, you know, just simple act that we, that people do every day. Some people get treated differently just because of how they look. Speaking from my experiences, 
within the team, within the Vikings organization over the past few weeks. I can say that there are plenty of passionate people within the organization that want to see change and want to be a part of that change. I think listening is something that we all need to do, especially white people, probably mostly white people. You know, something that I've heard a lot, you know, from you and the conversations we've had and from other people is black people have been trying to speak up for years and years and years. And in my opinion, you know, it's time for white people such as myself, you know, to speak up for them and be an ally in that. You and I both work for the Vikings. I think we're, we're very blessed and fortunate to have the, the jobs that we have. And we, and, we, and we take a lot of pride in that, you know, and I take pride in, in what the Will family has been doing of late. Um, you know, they, they just announced that. They're creating a $5 million donation for social justice causes uh, across the country, including here in Minneapolis. You know, the players kind of came together over the last few weeks. There's going to be a scholarship in George Floyd's name to show the impact that, that his death has had here in the community. Um, but I want to circle back to you for a second. You know, you, you mentioned that, you know, George Floyd was born in, in North Carolina and, and ended up moving here to Minneapolis. You know, that, that's no different than kind of the journey that, that you're on, you know, and, and you're like you said, you're, you're not here yet. You know, you're, you're moving to Minneapolis soon you know, because of the pandemic. You know, you haven't moved here yet. Well, I know this is a, a difficult and emotional topic for you, you know, being a, a black man. But, you know, why is it important for you to talk about George Floyd and what, what have your emotions kind of been like over the last few weeks? I've had so many people reach out to me, um, people that I haven't talked to in years just because they 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 know I've, I'm moving to the Twin Cities and I, I really just can't put my emotions into words yet. Um, this 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 did hit me really hard. I mean, I have a lot of Caucasian friends. I mean, I, I just I love people. I think just from all of my coworkers here and my coworkers at my previous job, they can attest that I love people. At the same time, there is a a feeling that you get um, that only so many people know about. When, when a cop pulls up behind you, it's just a fire in your belly or just another for another sense. When you walk into a room and you don't see anyone like you and that that's a feeling that it's just indescribable. But at the same time, you know that, hey, it's, it's bigger than this. There's somebody from my neighborhood, somebody from George Floyd's neighborhood that's looking up to us, uh, you know, of a minority, a black kid or just somebody who doesn't really believe in themselves and they look to up to us as, you know, motiva motivation and an inspiration. Like you said, with the George Floyd killing, it really, um, it, it, it hit me. It hit me like, I, we, there's a lot of, I mean, police brutality, brutality in America is not new. Um, and while a lot of, you know, these instances have hit, have affected me deeply, um, this one definitely affected me to, a, to another level just because we, we have a similar story. Like he's from North Carolina, um, not the best area. Um, he moved to Houston uh, to go to high school. And then he was going to, to Minneapolis to seek for a better life. And I love my life now. I love D.C. That's where I am now. But the opportunity in Minneapolis just like there's so much excitement behind it. And I'm still excited. I don't want I don't want that to be misconstrued. I'm still excited to get up there. But at the same time, it does make you take a step back and say, like, man, like, that could be me. Like that could be, me. I mean, as, as North Carolinians, when you see somebody in another state, like you just know, like, okay, you're from North Carolina. Like, all right. Like you just have that connection. And then just when I heard this story, I'm just like, man, like, man, like I, I like, I still can't put it into words. Like I, I was hurt. Um, I was emotional. I was frustrated, but at the same time I was like, all right, like there, there's hope in this. 
you, you have an opportunity to work for a, a, a phenomenal company, but at the same time, you're that inspiration for that next black person that doesn't get the opportunity, that, that isn't getting the opportunity. So I look at it from, yeah, I am hurt, but it is a, a way for me to be that positive light and shine that light and say like, hey, like, you know, you, you can you can make it to the NFL. You don't have to play football to make it to the NFL. You, you could, you know, you can be who you are, where you come from, no matter your religion, no matter your race, no matter you, you, you can, whatever you set your dreams to, you can accomplish it. And I'm so thankful to be a part of this organization. Thanks to be talking about this. Thankful to be talking to you right now and thankful to more importantly, just be a part of a, a great team. Now I'd like to welcome to the show co-defensive coordinator Andre Patterson, running back Amir Abdullah, and wide receiver Adam Thielen. Fellas, we'll get right to it. When you saw and witnessed the killing of, of, of George Floyd, what, what went through your head? What emotions were evoked? Uh, Dre, we'll start with you. Um, well, obviously it was, a, it was a sad deal. And um, I had said earlier, you know, I'm a child of the 60s. So this has been going on for a long time. So it wasn't the first time that, that, uh, that this type of thing has happened in my lifetime. Um, but I think the one thing for me that, that makes this different is that the whole world got to see uh, his life taken away from him. And in the past, it's always been word of mouth, you know, that, you know, the guy, you know, the person was shot or, or, or uh, whatever because he was resisting arrest. And then it becomes, who do you believe? This one's different because everybody got to see it from beginning to end and they got to see life leave his body. And so that's why it's touched the world because everyone's got to see that this is real. And it's not, it's not whether you believe it or don't believe it. Now the whole world knows it's real. So uh, it was sad to see, but I'm hoping with, with, uh, with all my heart that, that this time is gonna help us create change because there's more people on the side of that this is a real problem and that this is a real issue. And when that happens, then now people are able to get together to affect change. Yeah, I, I agree with what Coach Patterson just said, man. Um, the unique thing about 2020 is everyone had to slow down with the pandemic and everything, everyone being at home, social distancing and not being out in public, not being exposed to all the distractions of everyday life things that come to the surface that are big tragedies, like what happened to George Floyd, everyone can see that. Everyone's watching that because everyone's cooped up in the house, right? And um, for me, being from Alabama, uh, actually, I come from a family that's pretty rooted, deeply pretty rooted in the civil rights movement. My, my father was at the march from Selma to Montgomery for, you know, voting rights. And uh, a lot of things that I, were brought, I, were brought, I was brought up to understand, I carry with me today. And um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. So earlier this year, you know, going through the Ahmaud Arbery situation, and then in the very city that I play for in Minneapolis, seeing George Floyd, it was like it was like a, a combo, combo punched in my gut. Where I was like, man, this is this is unbelievable. But like what Coach Patterson says, I think this moment is a lot different. You know, just watching the protests unfold, you see people from all spectrums of races involved people understanding that this is a real issue and we need to be active for change yeah i think uh you know obviously uh both i was you know very well said um you know i think the first thing i thought of 
when I saw the video, um, when I saw it kind of going around was, was I didn't really have words. Um, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Number one, you could, I can't believe that there's a person that would do that, uh, to someone else, uh, regardless of, of, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe this. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your religious background doesn't matter. Uh, everyone knows that was wrong. Um, so it, it was, it was, uh, it, it's just tough, tough to see. Honestly, I had to, I had to turn my phone off for a couple of days because I, I, I couldn't handle, um, seeing that. So yeah, that's kind of what, what my thoughts were on that. I'll jump in next here with a, a question for the group. It, it's not directed at Adam, but you know, Adam and I are, are the white men on, on this podcast and I, I obviously have not done enough, you know, to, to speak up about this in the past. And I, I hope to change that going forward. What can I do? You know, what can people who look like Adam and I do different going forward that we hadn't done before? I would say uh, before you ask someone who is a black friend or a black uh, co-worker, how are you doing? You know, how's your hard nosed situations? Ask yourself how you feel. Because I see a lot of times the attention is in these situations are directed right back towards the black community. Like, what are you guys going to do? What's going to happen? Well, we all know this is an American issue. This is a humanity issue. Adam said it best. It doesn't matter what religion, race, or anything. What happened was wrong. And we all should feel a great deal of hurt from what we witnessed happen to George Floyd. And uh, what, what I would just encourage you guys to do is just take some time to really educate yourself on the injustices, on the oppression that really took place. And maybe not just what was taught in the standard curriculum in school, maybe do a little bit deeper research. I know um, last spring there was an opportunity uh, afforded, um, funded by the Wolves to take a group to the African-American Museum and the Holocaust Museum last year. And that allowed a lot of people who hadn't seen that lineage of history to walk through and see like, wow, this really happened? They did what? They weren't afforded this opportunity. And then you realize like, wait, that's still happening today. And once you see, once you take a deeper look into that type of history, then you will have a better premise on, okay, how can I help educate more people around me? You know, I, I would say, uh, Eric, to answer your question is the, no, the number one thing for me and through all my years is being able to listen. I, I to me, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, because usually when you sit down and you have a conversation, it becomes a debate and you don't want it to become a debate. Instead of you listening to what the person is trying to say to you, you're thinking about how are you going to get your point across? And it's about who's going to flip who. And as long as it stays there, it's never going to get better. It's never going to grow. Okay. So what happens is, is when you sit down and you actually open up and listen to a person of color, you ended up gaining knowledge because there's no way, there's no way that you can experience what that person experienced. And to turn that back around, there's no way that I can experience what you've experienced. So me being able to listen to you and where you're coming from and where your experiences in life has taken you causes me to grow as a person. It causes me to be able to handle situations different. Mike Zimmer is my best friend, and we're total opposites, okay? Even bigger than it being white and black, okay? I grew up in the hood. I grew up in a single family home, okay? 
uh, in the projects, no male influences in my life other than football coaches. And so a lot of things that have happened in my life, a lot of perspectives that I have, I can sit down and talk to him about those things and he listens and he grows. Okay. He grows, but in turn, he shares those same, same things with me. And some of those things from way back when that he talked to me that he, he went through with his father are things that I use to help raise my son when I finally had a son because I didn't have a dad. So listening to me is the number one thing is that if you can take the time to listen and that'll help us all grow. Adam, when you, when you see something like this, I know it's bigger than white, black thing, but something tragic like this, that, that speaks volume around the world in your home state, being from Minnesota, do you think it would affect you differently if it was in another state? Like how, how did it you know, affect you being in your home state? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to uh, say if it would have affected me differently, obviously, um, with everything going on. I think, I think everybody's eyes are open right now. Uh, ears are open um, uh, to what's, what's going on, what's been going on, like Amir said. Um, that maybe people before had no idea or maybe they didn't want to know. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is a certain part of me that has affected me a little bit uh, differently just because, uh, you know, I was born here. I was raised here. Uh, I went to college here. I played in the NFL here. I've never left Minnesota. Um, so for something like that to happen, number one, is just, like I said before, I, I just still can't believe it. Um, and then for it to happen in my home state, a city, a community, um, that 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 my wife and I have poured everything that we've had into um, and love so much. It, it, it it's disheartening, um, and uh, definitely uh, opened up my ears. Like Coach said, he he hit it on the head. It's like, uh, what a great opportunity right now to just just open your ears, listen. Um, and that's what uh, my wife and I have talked about. You know, since this really happened, was was we're really focused on just just listening, uh, communicating. <laughs> like Coach said, talking uh, to teammates and. You know, I, this might be a little off topic, but, um, you know, I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed to be able to have the relationships I do in a football locker room. It's, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, like coach said, you know, uh, people that didn't grow up like me, don't look like me, that, that had, uh, different upbringings, uh, and just to be able to get to know them on a, on a personal level. Um, you know, a couple of my uh, best friends on the team, um, you know, obviously when you're in the receiver room, uh, you, you, you tend to be around the receivers all the time, right? So uh, when I came in, it was Cordero Patterson. Uh, couldn't have been, you know, like Coach talked about, it couldn't have been a different way that we were raised as far as where we grew up, how we were raised, things like that. But we connected, and we were around each other nonstop. In fact, I, I was just uh, messaging him about uh, some of the, the great memories we've had together over the years, uh, playing ping pong together and things like that. But uh, it's just really – it's a really special thing. I wish – I wish communities, I wish, I wish everybody could experience that because um, I think it would change a lot of people's mindsets. I think it would change a lot of people's um, views. Um, it's just, a, it's, again, it's just, it's almost tough because I can't, I can't communicate that to people. I wish people could see it firsthand. And again, I'm just, I'm just very thankful that, I, that I've had those relationships and, and met the people I've been able to meet. Hey, Gabe, you know, one of the things, because Adam just brought that up, and I know Adam will remember this, but the first year we put the committee together, Adam, you know, was, was part of the committee group. And one of the first, thing we, well, for, first things we did in that committee was just open it up to let guys talk about, you know, their background, 
where they're from, how they were raised, uh, different experiences that themselves and their families uh, have gone through. And that was one of the best meetings I've ever been through in my coaching career. To see guys open up like that, and and it was all different kind of guys in the room. Adam was there, and it was a tremendous, tremendous experience to to be able to to be a part of that. And to me, I think that's a big reason why our group grows, and I think that's the reason why our group is so committed to being able to put themselves out there to try to create. Uh, change in a positive environment in Minneapolis. There's, there's a lot of focus on, on the NFL. You know, it, it easily, you know, probably the most popular sport in America and, you know, certainly up there in the world. And tough conversations need to happen. You know, there's not really any way to kind of sugarcoat, you know, that. What were each of your guys' thoughts on Commissioner Goodell's recent comments in the video, you know, where he admitted that the NFL was wrong, you know, for not listening to players in recent years? He said that the NFL believes Black Lives Matter, and that was sort of a different tone than what we've kind of heard for the last few years. What were kind of each of your thoughts on that? I'm the type of person, I try to look at the love in things instead of the lack. I saw a lot of perspective where perspectives where people were saying like, oh, now nah, he wants to come out and say things. Well, I'm not going to judge him on the timing. I'm not going to judge America on his timing because I understand that things are happening overnight. And uh, I'm just going to take it for where we are right now. A lot of people try to live in the past and in the future too much. We can't hang on what the mistakes were in terms of not acknowledging things as they should have been in the past. Let's take what he is saying now and now just hold him accountable. You know, and I, and I hope that he will follow up with more actions in the very near future. But I see progress with them actually coming out and saying, we see it now. We were wrong about this situation. We didn't handle it right when it first popped up in 2016, and we admit that. And I can respect that, and now it's just time for more action behind the words. Uh, coach, um, just being a coach just in general, especially a coach in football, you're a father figure to a lot of players, for fathers, for players who even have already have fathers, but how do you balance coaching and, and race? I think if you talk to – any of my defensive linemen, they'll tell you, you know, the first thing I tell them is if all I teach you how to do in our meeting rooms is be a better football player, then I'm cheating you. Because if, if you walk in here and all I teach you how to do is play to run a little bit better, how to rush the passer, and that's all you get from your time around me, then I'm cheating you. Okay, I, I spend time in my meeting rooms on helping my guys grow. Okay, they come into this league as still young men. Okay, they're still growing right now, even though they come in and they make a lot of money, they're still developing who they are as a man. And so we spend a lot of time in our meetings talking about life in general. You know, guy gets married and he has kids and maybe he didn't have a dad. Okay, well, how do you how do you handle that? How do you weigh the time you spend at work? that it takes to be a great football player, but then being able to come home and, and making your wife and your children happy. You know, so I spend a lot of time with my guys talking about life, and, and I tell them all the time, their NFL career is short-lived, okay? The one thing we all have in common is we all are going to be ex-football players someday. That's a given. Nobody plays this game forever, all right? So the night they played their last high school football game, 
90% of the guys that they played with that night became ex-football players that night. When they played their last college football game, 80% of the players they played with that day became ex-football players that the rest of their life that day, okay? If you're fortunate enough to play 10 years in this league, you're done at 34. So you're going to be an ex-football player way longer than you will ever be a football player. So if being a football player is what validates you, you're fooling yourself. You got to learn how to be a man because you're going to live as an ex-football player way longer than you will ever live as a, as a football player. For me, it's important for all my guys in the room, whether they're white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter, that we, we work on life skills and not just knowing how to be a great defensive line. You know, one thing that Gabe and I have talked about kind of, you know, personally, you know, how, how do we all become unified in this? You know, I mean, it, it, we're all talking about it right now, but how do we make sure that this isn't a conversation that we have this week and next week and, and that we're having it in, in years and that change has been made, you know, decades down the road? I think a lot of things in who we are as people externally really shows who we are internally. So a lot of the conversations have to start at the source, at the psychological. I think it's been a psychological war that's been going on in this country for hundreds and hundreds of years that's been, really been ignored. A lot of times, kind of like what Adam says, you know, a lot of people don't want to learn. But until you can really unclothe a lot of the things that people aren't talking about, have a real discussion about the internal, who we are at our source as people, what makes us not like another race, What's make, what makes us not respect someone acting this way or what makes us not want to learn more about the next race, whatever that is, until we can have those very uncomfortable conversations, then there, there won't really be any unity, you know, um, because, I mean, you can be unified and not, not everyone necessarily wholeheartedly understand, but once you, once you have those conversations and at least express a vulnerable state enough to say, hey, I'm going to put out everything that I'm honestly feeling and I'm not afraid to be contested in that in a respectful manner. I think those are the conversations that are going to lead us to unity. And it's, it's hard to, to answer that question, honestly, because have we really seen unity as a nation anywhere? So it's tough for me, Adam or Coach, Coach Patterson to really answer that question. But I think it starts with um, internally getting ourselves right and then externally everything will, you know, lay itself out. You know, Amir, Amir in the other interview we were, we were having, Amir made a comment in there. And he said, you know, most change happens because of war. You know, so, you know, if you look at it through the history of time, he's, he's, he's right. Okay. And so the thing, the thing for me is obviously in my lifetime, I've, I've seen this happen a lot. You know, I've, I've seen riot, I've seen protests, you know, several times in my, through my lifetime. Uh, but I got to believe deep in my heart that this was different from, from, from what I said previously. And I think because of that, I think people are more open to want to get involved and more open in to, to finding a way to say, how can I help? Like you, like you just asked, how can I help? What can I do? And if they're talking to the right people to lead them in the right direction, then I think we have a chance to see positive change happen. And the worst thing that can happen is, is 
uh, is three weeks from now or four weeks from now when it's when it's all kind of died off that we just sweep it back under the rug and everything just keeps traveling the way that it that it has. And so that's that's where I, I hope that that this one's different. For you, Adam, you know, you're, you know, heavily involved in, in the Minnesota community throughout with, with your Thielen Foundation. You were in the community hands-on last week at, at Rudolph's event, you know, in Minneapolis. Do, do you feel like you have a platform here along with your teammate to, to make a change? You know, that, that people look up to you, right? They, kids look up to you and fans look up to you and they look for the Vikings to use their platform. How much do you kind of put that on yourself to, to help lead the charge uh, a, a little bit? I, I, I tend to lean on my faith and my wife and I, um, you know, that's kind of what we, what we lean, lean on to for guidance. And we, we wholeheartedly believe that, that we've been put in this situation. We made it to the NFL, right? Like we, we feel like we're in Minnesota for a reason. Like God put us here for a reason. Um, you know, I'm a, a small town kid from Northern Minnesota. I'm not supposed to be in the NFL. Um, and uh, I, I, we just feel that, that, that God has placed us here um, to, to really show that, that we care. Uh, number one, I think, uh, going back to the last question, um, you know, like Amir said, we don't have the answers. We don't have all the answers, but at the end of the day, I think you have to show number one, that you care, uh, that you care about this community, that you care about your teammates, that you care, um, about one another. Uh, again, just, it doesn't matter what you look like. I care about you. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done in your life, I, ca- I care about you. Um, and um, I think the next thing is action. Um, you can't just tell someone you care about them. You have to show them that you care about them. Um, and that comes from actions. Um, I think uh, that's why uh, my wife and I and, and where we've gone with the Thielen Foundation is, is, is that. We, want, we don't want to just throw money at something um, and just say, hey, we care about you guys. Here's some, some money. Uh, we want to show them. We want to we have actions. We want to be around them. We want to go into these schools and see what is, there, what is going on there. Uh, what does it look like? What does it feel like? I told a story to the, in our social justice meeting the other day uh, with, uh, with a really cool group uh, that we have there um, about uh, our partnership with the Thielen Foundation in Brooklyn Center High School, how uh, we were able to uh, partner with Adidas and, and give cleats to and athletic shoes to all the sports, all the fall sports. And so uh, it was a really cool moment. Everybody was su- super gracious, just a really cool event to just be there and, and see the, their faces. But that wasn't even the coolest part. The coolest part was we go back four months later, and there was a girl that played football, which was really cool. She was awesome. She was, she was super energetic, just, just a really awesome person. And uh, I go four months later to give out awards for the fall sports. And she's there and she, you know, she comes up to us right away, gives my wife a hug. And, uh, I go, how, how, how did the cleats work out? Like, did, did they work? Like, did you like them? And she looked at me and she goes, what do you mean? I didn't use those. I, I got them hanging up in my room. Uh, and, and it just kind of like, it, it kind of like put a perspective on it that, that I've never had. Um, so I think it's important to, uh, be active and, and actually being in the community. It's a totally different perspective than just, being an outsider looking in. So, um, again, I don't have, I don't have a lot of answers, uh, but, uh, that's just, uh, my experience. I do want to just ask this one more question just for the group. As far as action steps, like Adam said, as a company, as a brand, there are action steps that the Minnesota Vikings have been taking 
for the past couple of years now, and that are going to continue to take them. But personally, what action steps can we continue to take personally, not as, you know, not as just ourselves, but just as people to make sure, like Andre said, this conversation doesn't stop here. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, uh, Minnesota Vikings organization, um, there's a scholarship fund that has been created in George Floyd's name, a legacy scholarship. There will be an annual scholarship given out to uh, students in the uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis area. African-American students going to qualify for this, this scholarship just to carry out the legacy of what George Floyd's impact has now become on this city. And uh, I think I think that was special to come together as a play a social justice uh, group here on this team to say that we want to do this. We want to make this something that is an annual thing. Obviously, more trips. Uh, I mentioned uh, what we did last spring, going to D.C., taking a, a group of kids from the inner city of Minneapolis to go see the Holocaust Museum, uh, the African-American Museum, making those groups a little bit more inclusive, white, black, everyone, so everyone can join in that educational process and really just more conversation, maybe hosting panels where we have people from all walks of the community coming together on the Vikings platform to discuss these issues as raw and authentic as we possibly can to get to that unclothing like I talked about. Because like we said, um, um, the Wolves have been extremely generous with donations and, and monies uh, allowing us to go out and change some systemic things. Also, All Square is another program that we work with. They work with rehabilitating formerly incarcerated individuals back into society, teaching them how to run a business, expunging their records. They also have a law school program that's attached to their business where they people who formerly were convicted felons now are becoming attorneys out of that same program. We, we donated a lot of money to All Square, which allowed them to bring on more fellows on in their program, which was amazing. So there are a lot of things that we're doing economically as an organization to change some systemic things, but uh, just working together, communicating in conjunction how we can get the psychological education up to speed with what we're doing economically is I think um, our next direction, direction as a Vikings organization. And I couldn't be more proud to be a part of it. You know, one of the things that, uh, that came out the first year in our uh, social justice uh, committee is, you know, it, it kept coming out over and over and over again, including myself, the, the fear of dealing with uh, police officers. You know, because we've all, all of us, most of us in that room of color had had experienced it. So one of the things that kept going back and forth in the room is, okay, so so what do we do? Well, most times, most times when you want to create change, you got to start with the young and get your hands around them and help educate them. And then eventually they grow up and they start to become people of power. So the group, the group on its own decided, okay, well, let's let's have some events to where our players and police officers are together to help the young people kind of take down that fear and see that they're regular people. And I don't have to have my guard, my guard up when a police officer comes around me. And so our group spent and went to several different schools with police officers to do that. And I think as, as long as we continue to work in, in those kind of directions, uh, I think that's going to help us continue to have this grow. Well, guys, appreciate it. This was a, a great conversation. Always great to, you know, keep the conversation going. I know there's going to be more conversations in the future, but stay safe, stay healthy during all these unprecedented times and best of luck with everything. I, I think 
where we go from here is the conversation, the tough conversation that nobody really wants to have, but but you have you you have to have it. I mean, there are so many tensions right now um, in America, and like Amir Abdullah said, it's not a black white thing. It's not just a black white thing. It's a humanitarian thing. Like we we got to treat people like humans and change ourselves internally before we want to change the world. So it, it starts with us. It does, you know, and that's something I've been really focused on a lot about over the last couple of weeks. And that's kind of why I asked Adam, you know, and, and, and the group, you know, in general, what, what can I do, right, as a white person, you know, because, you know, I, I feel like I've been part of the problem. You know, even if I believe this, you know, and feel strongly about this, I haven't personally done enough to help make a change. Now's the time, you know, there, there's no better time than now with everything that's gone on. You know, I think there needs to be action. Action needs to be the end goal. I think conversations that, that you and I have had, this one plus one we've had, you know, off yeah. the podcast just personally are, are great. There needs to be more of that. I think one thing that, I, that I've really come back to a lot is a couple weeks ago, you know, we posted a video of Eric Kendrick. And it, was, it was in his own words, powerful and emotional. And, you know, if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to find it. It's on our Viking.com platform. But to, at the end, he said, if you're not doing anything, then that's not good enough. That stuck with me every day since I first saw that, you know, and, and Kendrick also said that he's applying the pressure to himself and we can all do that. I can do that more than I ever have. You know, um, you know, the Vikings have a diversity and inclusion council that we that we started um, about six months ago in January. And obviously we didn't know that we'd be kind of thrust into the spotlight with everything going on. But maybe it, like Amir said, maybe 2020, is, is, there's a good reason for that. You know, and that we need this time right now to make a change because what we've been doing hasn't worked. We need to encourage people to vote, give back to people in need in the community, support local businesses, you know, speak up more, just speak up in general, speak up at all. You know, I, I haven't done that at all. I may feel a certain way, but I haven't spoken up, you know, so I need to do that every day, you know, to make sure that the racism isn't tolerated at all. You know, I know, I know it's been a, a pretty powerful conversation, like you said, you know, and hopefully this is the first of many between you and I and players and, and, and everyone. My advice, and I'm going to challenge myself also, but my advice for my other counterparts is the same way you love these athletes, these minority athletes, love your neighbor the same way. The same way you treat them, the same way you cheer for them, treat, cheer and, and treat your African-American and, you know, just your minority uh, counterparts the same way like we we all need that love and that you know that encouragement i mean football is one of those sports where you have well let's say u.s bank stadium you have up to seventy thousand fans who don't know each other in one stadium cheering on a select few group group of people like people from all over the world um cheering for one cause like let's come together like like a stadium and let's cheer for for a cause of unity let's all become one let's all challenge each other I think that the term that I don't see race, I think people should get rid of that. I think you should see race and respect the race as such. And from then, that starts the conversation of respecting each other as they are, because we have more similarities than we do have differences. And if we can you know, come together on our similarities, we can talk about our differences, hash them out and become better. And as an organization, we are going to make sure we do our part in helping make sure people are educated on social justice. In addition, we're going to continue our efforts in being a resource to our community and making sure we're doing our part in denouncing 
systemic racism and police brutality. Eric, thank you again. And fans, thank you again for joining us for this special edition of our Minnesota Vikings podcast. Stay safe.